every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome, to, ladies and gentlemen, to the Blunderground Railroad. My name is Tom, and I'm with Steve, Mr. Steve Hart. Chap- chapter number three, Notes from Underground. So this is our flagship book. You've, uh, you've come here from our flagship podcast, uh, Notes from the Blunderground. You're curious as to what the book is about, and we've been waking our way through chapter number one and chapter number two. Today, chapter number three. Steven. You like movies, Steve? Uh, I dig I dig the occasional movie when, you know, when I get some time away from the kiddos, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you. So, what strongman movies do you enjoy? We have some strongman movies out there. Strongman movies, talking like 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 Terminator, like Schwarzenegger, Die Hard. Yeah, kind of like you know, like uh, you know, I think Steve and I are both. Uh, in, I'm solidly in Generation X. Steve is more <laughs> like Generation. You're like more like Y, Millennial. What do you like? Yeah, don't don't assume my generation. Yeah, I know, but that's where generation. you are. See, you, you can lay claim to like five different generations, right? So, um, you, I don't know. You know, I think the uh, first one that comes to my mind probably because we have this Christmas movie joke all the time is going to be. Bruce Willis with Die Hard. Oh, yeah, okay, Bright Die Hard. So was that yeah. the movie for you? Like, what was your movie in your generation, right? I didn't so, really have a movie. I had wrestling. I, remember Stone Cold Steve Austin? Of course I remember Stone Cold okay, Steve Stone Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah? that That's my dude. Well, I started okay, so talking what? like the guy was bad. Yeah, okay, what, like Attitude Era? Oh, yeah. All right. Attitude yeah. Era. All right, sure. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I had the ring and everything. Uh, you did, oh, you had the, you oh, did? I had the yeah. ring. I had the figure. Yeah, I'll come at you off top rope, dude. Is that, you did, man, right? Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's it. You know, I had to give it up. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's funny. Um, uh, you know, uh, I had to give it up after uh, Benoit, you know, after Chris Benoit. You know, there's a bad apple, I think, in every orchard. Well, no, and I, I think um, there is, you know, and I think just growing up and being such a Chris Benoit fan and 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 being so heavily invested uh, in into his career, yeah. that when it happened, and it was it was a transition time in my life too, you know, like I was transitioning and I was kind of I was I was I was taking on more of an adult role, and you know I was it was just it was something I couldn't reconcile. So I think that for me was kind of that was the end for me, uh, and, and it's interesting because I've gone back a couple times, and now it's it's so alien to me now that I I, I feel completely divorced from it now. No, know? no, same here, same I mean, here. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely like if if we're not if we're not talking movies and we just got to pick strong man, you know. Oh yeah, like, sure, like, yeah. Definitely, it, it doesn't get any better for my money than Stone Cold whacking Vince McMahon with a bedpan. <laughs> It's just there you go. Can you beat that? I, you know, I can't. maybe you can. I mean, right? I mean, Bruce Willis blowing up a helicopter. You got Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, driving the motorcycle off the bridge in Terminator Two. It's, it's that's, pretty bad. That's legit. That's pretty legit. That's pretty legit. <laughs> and you got Stone Cold Stunner. Right there, you go. Right. Yeah. So yeah. man, is that your big three? Right. Yeah. yeah. I guess so, man, right? Compete with them. Wow, man, it's right? It's a basketball team I don't want to go against. That is right. There you go, right? There it is. <laughs> there it is. And so, you know, you always had this, uh, especially, you know, it's interesting you talk about that with Stone Cold because uh, it's, oh, you know, he is a character, I think, uh, you know, and with him, and I think it was that the foil was Mr. McMahon, right? That was the foil. Yeah. And so McMahon was like, the, he was the chairman, right? Yeah. And so then... Uh, you know, I can he, still hear his music when he comes out. Oh, yeah, right. No chains. That's right, man. That's right. You know, the swagger, right? He's got the swagger. Yeah, man. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's got the swagger. You know, um, you know, they used to say that, uh, you know, Vince, they used to say that uh, the wrestlers, they couldn't handle him because in his office, this is his office, he would, because he would eat tuna. That was how he built up his muscles. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was straight tuna. So he would have these, like, these, like, uh, these massive cans of just tuna, and he would just drink it. He would just eat dry tuna all day. 
And uh, the story is, is that his office would stench. It reek of tuna so much that the wrestlers wouldn't meet with him, you know, because they would come in. It would just be straight tuna. It was, it was, all, it was overwhelming in his office. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go in my boss's office anyway. So right, that's yeah. perfectly fine with me. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding, right? I got other reasons, but okay. Right, no doubt. So the uh, so you have like the, the, so the Mr. McMahon, Mr. McMahon character, you know, he's he's kind of like the the corporate guy, and so he's got all sorts of things on his mind, all sorts of thoughts. And the Stone Cold character, I mean, he's about as basic as you can get, right? I mean, yeah, I, yeah right. I mean, yeah. it's, Bare- it's barely English speaking. I mean, <laughs> right. yeah, right. Terry, Terry Bradshaw might have been like the only other more redneck person than him, I guess, on there. But uh, m- Stone maybe. Cold just you want to talk? He just didn't care. Straight bully. Yeah. Remember? Like, the only right. thing that stopped him was the impossible. Well, well, and it wasn't just about, I mean, because it was wrestling, pretty much nothing was impossible. Well, right. But isn't that the reason, though, to tune in, right? I mean, that was the reason to tune in every Monday because, you know, it was like, and it was, that's so interesting because it was that tactic, it was that, it was that acknowledgement that, you know, even Stone Cold Steve Austin is limited by something, right? I mean, he's, got, he's limited, <laughs> like somebody or something. It just hurt my soul just it's, hearing that. It's just like, oh. <laughs> it's just so. You know, but even but it's at that admission, even he is limited, right? And then so every Monday at nine, you got to tune in, right? Because you know when that music hits, then you're gonna get you're like okay. You have the 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 in, the unmovable force meets the the unstoppable force meets the immovable object, right? I hear the glass breaking, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right. If I had a, if I was in a bad mood on Tuesday, you could pretty much bet Stone Cold wasn't at the show, right? Or like he lost, and it was a cliffhanger. <laughs> Yeah, right. Talk to me this week, man. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right, right, right. Making it right. There we go. Making it to the next week. But so you know, there was that one thing where the only the impossible would stop him, and 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 yeah. so and and that's kind of the allure, I think. You know, and you see, uh, you know, you see the kids in 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 the audience, right? And so for the kids, I mean, it's heroes and villains, and 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 so then that's yeah. it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic there. But for the adults, though, I mean, like, right where. Where are the adults in this whole thing? And I think it's really interesting, because um, in chapter three we see this. I mean, in chapter three we have uh, we have this man here, and so the underground man, uh, you know, he calls him. He's the man of action, right? Stone Cold, the man of action. So I mean, we need a book about Stone Cold. We need a book of well. I, mean, I, I could just I could quote the whole thing for you. Uh, well, probably. I mean, you probably <laughs> probably could. The uh, I mean, this book. I hey, this book here. I think maybe it does. You know, it's interesting that you Stone Cold is not sophisticated enough to write a book like this. Okay. Well, the man of action, he can't write like this. He might. The underground man will tell you that he's not smart enough. He, he's not smart. Now, you know, it's interesting because he does use that term stupid, right? He says the, the, the man of action, right? Stupid. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really true. And uh, it's really true. And he says uh, here, the man of action, right? Uh, the man of action. Uh, so we have stupidity plus revenge equals justice. That, right? that, was, that was essentially what we saw play out every Monday night. Uh, pretty much, right? <laughs> you know, there you go, right? <laughs> So here we go. We have a uh, Dostoevsky Booker Booker Extraordinaire, right? I'm starting to wonder if the writers for that show maybe were Dostoevsky's fans. Wow, maybe you thought you thought they're all just sitting around like yeah. cracking, cracking beers. No, nope, they're nope. sitting around. They're they're going through chapter number three. You got chapter number three. Bunch That's bunch right. of bookworms. Like, exactly. Can somebody get Steve this? Williams in here? Can no. I get Steve Williams in here? Yep. Stat. We got an idea. <laughs> all right, check it out. Beer truck. Stupid. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> right? There you go. There There's go. the first step of the equation. That's here. right. You see this part here? That's a stupid. We're thinking beer truck, Vince. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's because, dumb exactly exactly right book it he says <laughs> <laughs> oh man so uh here we have the man so stupidity plus revenge equals justice mm-hmm. now uh, in this chapter we have the man of heightened consciousness okay this is heightened consciousness plus revenge equals denial of justice all right and i think where this comes from to take it back to kind of circle back around here uh, I think it really comes down to the man of action, uh, and he calls it in chapter number three. He calls it the person who thinks. Now, how about you, Steve? If you're you're inclined, so would you be more inclined to go with the? And I think I know the answer here because we're gonna we're just gonna make it like heels and baby faces, right? So you're gonna go with the heel who is out there and then and 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 who's 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 swinging fist and 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 and. and kicking and swinging or are we going to go with the baby face who's out there giving a 20 minute promo 
right? So uh, you can you can phrase it like that, or even in our our book here in our chapter, uh, it's the person who thinks versus the man of action. So which one generally gets more respect from you? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to leave too much silence on the airwaves. I mean, because they can, <laughs> they can't see the the twenty mile stare I got going. Like really, right, right. That's right. Horse man, Austin three sixteen. Man, all right. He's got the man of action there. Yeah. All right. So the man of action. Yeah. You know, I think for me, probably it's. I, I would say, I would say it's probably the man who thinks. Uh, and, and that's interesting. I think for me personally, mm. only because. I think there's a lot of correlation in society, uh, mm. uh, and I think a lot of it comes down to urban versus rural. You know, I think that a lot of times in urban environments, you see more of an emphasis on this this uh, the, this uh, the arch the, this uh, this archetype of the thinking man, and maybe in the more rural environments, you have yeah. this archetype of the man of action. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that has a lot to do with the institutions. Um, that are inherent in each one. Uh, if you're thinking about, like, for an urban environment, you're thinking about institutions like, like the university, right? Academia. Yeah. And so, an academia, because when I think of an urban environment, I think of coffee shops, like going in the coffee shop in the morning, and all the professors are sitting in the corner, and they're all drinking coffee with students, and everyone's coming in and virtue signaling to each other, and all that sort of thing. That's exactly what it is. I'm glad you said it that way. All right, right, pretty much. I mean, yep, yeah. Yep. Yep, and uh, so that's what I think when I think of urban environments. And then in rural environments, you know, I think of a lot of people, because I'm in a rural environment myself, um, just to give a bit of context. But I live in the middle of town. Well, yeah, I I do, that's true. Um, In a small town. In a small town. In a small town. Right, in in a small town. (laughs) I I, I wouldn't really say there's a lot of urban sprawl where we live. Uh, um, Castaway Treasures is like a... Skyscraper, four stories, pretty much, right? <laughs> there you go, right? So I, I think that, um, you, uh, so I think there's a contrast there in terms of being uh, uh, someone in a rural environment who tends to value that more. Uh, but I think that there are you look at the um, differences in the uh, institutions, and we mentioned academia for a rural one. I think I would mention the family. All right, so the family environment. I think you have a lot of a lot more single parenthood i think there's a lot more uh uh you know certainly more hookup culture and 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 different styles of relationships um especially in in your you know whether yourself your friend group um so i I think that in terms of that i think there's um there's a a difference there um and i also think uh, i also think that there comes down to another difference between a man of action and a man of thought and so one, uh, I would say, for the man of action, it really comes down to behavior. And I think for the man of elevated thinking, uh, as he describes it, it comes down to identity. Uh, and obviously, I think each individual has a bit of each one in them. Obviously, they work together. Uh, but I do think that there is uh, a difference there for the man of action. So he, he refers to the man of action. He says... They fold in all sincerity. And how was it that you you you, you phrased it before? Fold in all. Uh, man, I don't even remember. You were talking about Stone Cold. <sighs> I don't even know. What did I? I you were you're saying gonna, you're gonna have to help me on this one. Yeah, you were saying that, I had other thoughts. I was thinking. Well, you now. see, you were saying for him what? it was only the impossible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's the only thing that could stop him was the impossible. But that's what kept you tuning in every week because you knew inherently wrestling was fake, so they would just make the impossible possible. But yes. Sure. Uh, in, in reference to our book, the only thing that can stop um, the man of action is the impossible. They just they just hit a wall. That's it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they're just gonna just gonna plow on through. And I want to circle back because you initially asked me which person gets more respect from me. I did. Did I okay. not wait for an answer for that? No, you did. And I and I actually answered it. And that's where okay. that's that's how we went down the stone cold tangent. I see. Uh, oh yeah, road. of course. You're, but, you're right. You're right. You're right. Of course. So in everyday life, sure. for me, sure, I, I would say the thoughtful person. Do you know? You want to know why? Oh, tell me. This is a very here's, interesting. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. I'll let you sure in on. Okay, just you. Just here's here's my little secret. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, just is it, all right, ladies and gentlemen. This is just between. <laughs> this is a secret. Right. So nobody's so telling anybody out there. Me and you and every single person yeah. uh, on on the internet. You, me and a thousand of our best friends. You got it. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Okay. So the reason I like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. When I was Teenager? Sure. Because I was not the man of action. I used to get all of my aggression out through watching him. 
and I was spiteful that I couldn't do it the same way he did. Wow. Wow. So today, really, honestly, who gets more respect from me? Yeah. Is the thinking man. Is that right? For wow. sure. All right, for sure. Because I look at the other person. I look as a Christian. I view everybody the same now. Sure. Yeah. Um. So everyone's gonna get equal respect. Uh, reverence, though. Reverence, I think, is a little bit different. Okay. I do hold people that are able to think, um, in more more than one dimension, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, more than just in their point of view. Uh, people that have humility, I do hold them in high regard. Why? Yeah. Because of the person I was when I grew up. Mm. I'm still that same person. The difference is I've learned how to not be the victim to the man of action. Ah, here, tell me more about this. That's interesting. How do you mean that, be a victim of the man of action? Being the victim of a man? Because the man of action, he's only going to stop at a wall. And if you're in between him and that wall, you're a victim. I just become the wall. Right. I figured out how to become the wall. I figured out how to make any attack that that person could possibly make yeah. of absolutely no effect. And I've done that by not caring. I literally don't care what other people think. It, it may sound bad, but I, I, I just don't care. Oh, and as and when I became a Christian, boy, I really didn't care. Yeah. Because you know what? You're going to answer to God. I'm going to answer to God. Yeah. I don't really care about you now. Definitely. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, and, and I love I, I love talking about the Lord. that. To, to to turn it around to the opposite end, it's so interesting what you say because apathy. I mean, it is like that is a, such a big yep. part of our age. Yep. I mean, apathy has become has gone. It's always been part of our society, but I have seen apathy develop as a survival skill. I mean, it is a survival skill for young people these days. I mean, they get apathetic fast. Yeah, and man, it it doesn't take long to take hold and. Um, I mean, it is really, and the thing about apathy, and the reason why it's so dangerous, is because it's what you and I always like to say, talk about assumptions and assertions, about how assumptions are more dangerous than assertions. Apathy is not just, is not nihilism, right? It's not like, it's not the underground man, it's nihilism. Apathy is like the dead center. You're not saying it's bad, you're not saying it's good, you're just there, you know? And, and so, you know, apathy, and, and these young people, they take it into the schoolroom, they take it. They take it online. Uh, they, uh, they, they, and they, it, it's had a dramatic effect on society. Yeah, it's it, it's how people dull the pain. They have to. Mm, mm. Um, you know, if they're not already on, not already on some sort of prescription medication, like most of the country. Sure. But our country's overstimulated. I don't yeah. think it's any. It's no wonder to me that back when. Uh, before the Industrial Revolution. Sure. Um, people didn't need medications all the time. People who grew up functioning adults. We didn't have shootings. We didn't have, for the most part, bullies. You know, things... Yeah. People have always been people, but problems solve themselves. Um, to this generation now, we have, you know, we have to label the bathrooms and have three. Right. Um, it, it's not even a surprise to me anymore. Yeah. Because information can travel so fast... It's the everybody gets a trophy society. There used to be back in the day, even, and this is even in like the 60s, right? Like a, a, a dad would be walking his kid down the street. There'd be a nice car going by mm-hmm. and he'd say, you know, son, look at that car right there. That's that's really nice. You know, when you grow up, I want you to have that car that that person has. Yeah. Now, now we got the dad walking down the street with the kid and he's going, oh, look at that. Why does that guy need that? Why does this, you know why? Maybe because he runs a 440. I don't know. Mm. Who knows? Right. Because he, because he busts his butt, man. Yeah. That's why. You want to talk about athletes and how much money they make? Yeah. Look right. at how many hours they work. Right. Right. Or the risk they take to their own bodies. Get there. Right. I've I've worked with NFL players, previous mm. like NFL players that have just got out. Sure. I worked with Michael Bankston. He was with the Cardinals for eleven years. He was a starter. Oh, excellent. Guess what? He was making fifty thousand dollars a year, and he. Can like I'm not saying barely afford it like life, but he's living a normal life now. Yeah, is that right? Um, I worked with uh, Lindsey Jackson, who was a wide receiver for the um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, he yeah. behind Heinz Ward. Sure, that guy, not even worth a million dollars. Trust me, real hard worker. 
set himself apart. Even when I was working with him, he was three, four years removed from the NFL. Yeah. You were, you were not keeping up with this guy. Is that Trust right? to me. No. But hard work is what got you places. Yeah. Hard work is what kept you alive right. before the Industrial Revolution. Now, you can just go to Shaw's and you can get your hamburger. Oh, it's a little expensive. That's the biggest concern you got. You right. ain't got to go out and shed a drop of sweat for it. Yeah. Nothing. You don't even yeah. got to work to get the money to buy it anymore. They just print it and hand it to you. Yeah, no, it's truly really true. And I think that there's been a lot of, of expanded. I, I think this free flow of information has really changed things in terms of the narrative that people grasp onto. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's interesting that you say that. See, one of the things I notice is, you know, and it's always been true, right? So when the Fed, they print money and when money is introduced into the system, it's always the most wealthy that see the money first. And they always get the most benefit from that money because it hasn't depreciated yet. And the poorer you are, the more depreciated the money is by the time it actually gets to you. So it's like in, it's like in Rome, they would chip the, chip the metals off the edge of the coin. By the time the poor person gets the coin, there's not a lot of coin left. And so this is a true statement, but yet... It's become such common knowledge, and I think that people online, that they inherit, they know these things, but rather than to try to discuss it or to try to internalize it, becomes part of the apathy. All right, yep. you know, yep. uh, for uh, it's really interesting. You can see it in the um, if you're on, uh, for example, on Reddit or Discord or you're on these places, and people will say, people will say, well, do you think that this is going to be the event for the Civil War? People are just going to come out and start swinging. Is it going to be today? <laughs> You know, and then someone will go, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be tomorrow. Why don't you start? You know, and then, of course, you know, everybody wants it. Everybody's waiting. Oh, is today the day? Is this the day? You know, is this going to be the time that everyone's going to start, uh, you know, everyone's going to get out and start swinging and shooting and kicking and horsing around and all this sort of thing? And so, you know, and, and no one's quite there ever, but everyone kind of is waiting for it. And so I feel like all these things get baked in. They get baked into the discourse all the time, every day. And what does it all mean? I mean, I'm not even 100% sure, but something's different, I think, about these these young people and the apathy that they feel. It's funny that you say today is the day. I, I Open up Twitter. Today is June 27th, 2022. There you go. And Joe Biden is the worst president in U.S. history, according to Jan, Dan Bongino. <laughs> it, I, I only i only even looked at that because you were talking about how you get on twitter discord or, or whatever these different places yeah sure and i it brought me back to my days when i used to bother to do this stuff oh yeah and it struck me i haven't even seen one building on fire though i'm sure there's many since the supreme court decision with the overturning roe v wade well the, the and i the, haven't I think- even Seen it? Why? Because I don't care. I haven't even looked. Yeah, I mean, it really wasn't. Uh, I think the worst, uh, the worst event was in. I think it was in Phoenix. It was in Arizona. Oh, nice. Um, they did My that. Alma mater. Uh, yeah, they I, they were having a. I think it was a city council meeting, uh, and I, I'm not 100 percent sure on the details. I did see it, but uh, they had about a couple thousand people come up to the building. It's all glass, right? It's all glass. Yep. yep. So they came up, and so they they and. Uh, not everybody was doing it, but a couple. I think maybe a couple, maybe a dozen, a couple, maybe two dozen of these. I don't know, these, these these crazy ladies were coming up and they just start pounding, you know, and they start pounding the glass. It's fun watching you try to come up with a nice way to say crazy ladies. Yeah, well, I mean, they were well, they were ladies and they were acting pretty crazy, so they were pounding the gra- they were pounding <laughs> they the glass. The <laughs> yeah, they were pounding the glass and I guess from what I understand, I guess it shook the building cuz they were in the the city council was in a meeting at the time. And uh so they had to shut down the meeting and the whole building was shaking and they ended up firing tear gas. You know, which is great. I mean, it was wild watching the if you can see it, because the the guys are shooting the tear gas, and people are are going nuts. I mean, they're, they're just screaming the most vile things at these guys. I mean, like they're sitting there with their signs, and they point the signs at the at the, the the troops up on the the rooftops, you know, and they're just like, they're, I think there's one person that I think fell over. They screamed so hard, and they just they're just trying to think of the most <laughs> vile obscenity they can they can muster, and they're just screaming at the like at the top. This of their is lines. them defending their position. I, I get, you know, I would say so, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. And then the tear gas started and everyone kind of dispersed at that point. So I think that's as bad as it got. Oh, well. Oh, didn't uh, miss much, I guess. But yeah, no. But I, I think that we do see this, though. I think we see this in, uh, for example, Twitter versus Facebook, all right, and versus Instagram. You see this across the, uh, across the social media landscape. Uh, you see class warfare and religious warfare. All right, is what I see. I mean, the class warfare, and, and I love what you said about apathy. I think that apathy really 
uh, is, is kind of a weapon for these these kind of discussions. Uh, you know, I think you see it in, um, I think you see it, for example, uh, in uh, on the left. I think you see it in idealism. Uh, for example, people will say, uh, people will say, well, why can't we have? Uh, people say, why can't we have? Um, the uh, uh, the medical uh, uh, free medi- uh, free healthcare like they do in De- in Denmark right so it's idealist it's an idealistic uh, uh, view of the of the whole thing you can move to Denmark yeah exactly move to Denmark <laughs> or you know hey yeah right exactly or the U S can they just gotta you know get rid of most of the population and give up on medical innovation you know right yeah let's compare apples to apples here <laughs> right yeah exactly right and also I would say that too people that people never think about the medical innovation right like it costs money to innovate. And so, you know, a lot of these small Nordic countries are not, they're not invested in medical innovation because they're small Nordic countries and probably that's a good thing. People don't understand that everything is not free. Right. Like, literally, it's it's something as simple as like, well, why can't I do my podcast? Why do you have those microphones? Well, I don't know, because I worked my butt off to get them. That's why. Sure. What did you buy? Weed? And alcohol? Right. Sorry. Sure. I didn't. Right. Bad choices. Right. Okay. Like, your government cannot just go buy everything for you because they're spending somebody else's money. Mm. You wouldn't like it very much if it was your money. Right. Get off your butt and work for something. Right. This is why, before the Industrial Revolution, I'll say it again, things worked so well because people had to work to live. If people had to work to live and not work to get a PlayStation 5, uh, yeah. right? they're just right. barely motivated enough to get a PlayStation 5. I promise if you had to get a potato and that's, right. that was all you had, yeah. you'd be out there working. Right. You'd be out there working. You wouldn't just lay there and die. Well, you know, it's interesting, the role of family, too. I really see that from me is, 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 is not just the Industrial Revolution, but it's the role of family. You know, before, uh, you know, we always say that people, a lot of times, they will idealize the 1950s, and they idealize, okay, the woman stays at home, the man's at work, and, and you know, we have the two-and-a-half kids in the white picket fence. I mean, really, that's not classic Americana. It's not something to be idolized. I mean, really, what is, if you want to go back... You have to go a couple generations before where uh, families would have multiple generations living in the same house. Yep. Uh, and then you would have large, you know, a lot of what you see in Hispanic families and Hispanic communities uh, these days, uh, which is uh, a really, it was that they have strong families and, and, and they love their family. And so you oftentimes will have it in the same house. Uh, and that gives the children the opportunity to, to experience multi generations, okay, right? They experience multiple generations. And, um, and uh, and what you said, so I think a lot of that has to go back to strong families. Um, and and you know it's interesting in in my uh, one of my students, I'm reading Pinocchio, the the book, not the movie, but we're reading the the classic book. I don't know if you've ever read it; it's such a great book. You know, because some deep stuff. Well, you know, no, it is honestly. You know, Pinocchio is like this. He's like the most vile. Like, I mean, it's, he's like the most vile puppet. I mean, he's he complete. I mean, talk about apathy, right? He 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 absolutely disdains like like every. I mean, you know, people give him a, a you know people give him a, a, a people give him a piece of bread. You know, they say, oh, there's a piece of bread. You know, and he'll he'll go and. Uh, I mean, two seconds later, I mean, he's off to the brothel with the thing, you know, or it's, something. This is already the deepest interpretation of Pinocchio I've ever heard in my life. Well, no, I mean, but really, it's interesting, you know. I was reading this morning and uh, in the book, and this is great, great chapter. He's with the blue fairy, you know, and so she, the blue fairy, and so you know, the blue fairy's like, oh hey, you know, you want to be a real boy, and Pinocchio's like, man, you're darn right, I do. Like, all right, that's what I want more than anything. And she's like, well, that's great because you know, once you you know, you're gonna go to school. And then you're going to pick a career. And Pinocchio's like, hey, sweetheart, like, I'm way too old. Like, this puppy is too old to go to school. And honestly, like, the whole career thing, like, sweetheart, like, I am not into the whole work deal. Like, I, I mean, that's a lot of hard work. And like, it's a long day at the office. And I'm just not signing up for that. And so the Blue Fairy, right, she comes back to Pinocchio. And it's this great little scene. She says, she says, idleness is uh, like a disease. It's like a cancer. And she says, it must be stomped out in childhood. Like, it must be stamped out. Otherwise, the person will be infected for the rest of their lives. You know, I thought I was behind on study today. I'm like, man, Tom's going to get here. He's so prepared to put the podcast on today. He's been working his butt off. You were reading Pinocchio all morning, and you're ahead of me. What? Wow. W- wait, what? 
Pinocchio. That, Pinocchio. You, you you prepare for the podcast by reading Pinocchio. Well, no, I didn't. I was reading Pinocchio because I was planning out a lesson plan, and uh, <laughs> uh, and um, and it I didn't actually, take me that long. I actually, the, try the during the morning. I don't end up in Disney books. Oh, that's it. And no, I no, still the, can't reach for your. Okay, well, first of all, it's not a Disney book. <laughs> the chapters are pretty small, and it's a great book. Actually, it's, you can read it in a day, so you should sit down. If I didn't you know there was a chapter in a Pino- in Pinocchio. I have the one with pictures. Oh no no you gotta I'll get I'll get you I'll get you a copy. No you can keep it. It's fine. I got no, enough. It's a great, I, got, I have enough to do. It's a great little book. As soon as we're done with this, that's book number two, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna Steve and Tom are gonna go through Pinocchio. It's gonna be great. You're gonna love this book, Steve. Be down to the single host show. Just me. <laughs> Man, Pinocchio. Tom, so you gotta get yourself Pinocchio, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great little book. So, uh, back to the social media discussion. Yeah. <clears throat> I did. We we're talking about class warfare and religious warfare, and so. I think a lot of this comes down to the man of action uh, and uh, uh, the man of action and the man of heightened consciousness. So uh, I did want to talk a little bit about behavior. Okay, so maybe getting off the social media, uh, I did want to talk about behavior and identity. Uh, So I think for behavior, that's the man of action. Everything is measured by behavior. Uh, and so I think that you find this a lot outside academia. And I think you actually find it in Christian circles as well. Uh, you know, if you're a Christian, <clears throat> a lot of what you're basing, you look out <clears throat> and you're basing society on behavior. Uh, you're looking to say, well, if people have X, Y, Z behavior, that's bad. And if people stop doing X, Y, Z, instead they replace it with ABC, well, then that's really good. If they would read <clears throat> Romans chapter 14, maybe they stop doing that. So... <laughs> so, and I, I think, so it, and it comes down to behavior, but for the man of heightened consciousness, I really believe it's identity, okay? Even the underground man has an identity. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, I, I think a lot of this comes down to, it, it comes down to the objective, right? And so, for for the man, for the man of action, and I I think we've mentioned this before, uh, and, and if not, we'll briefly go through it. In history, if you have God outside of history, creates an objective standard for all people and so you have objectives because everything in history okay people don't change everything in history goes back to that one standard which is outside of history okay it's an objective standard and then uh alternatively you can have uh history you can have uh the uh the causes of history are inside of history itself so this lends itself to power dynamics, right? So you have history inside, uh, uh, you've got inside of history, okay? So you have the causes of history are inside of history. And so you're constantly pushing and pulling and engaging in power dynamics as you work towards an eventual end, which is like utopia, I think. So th- these two views of, of history. So the man of heightened consciousness, this guy, all right? So this guy, I think he... he is against the object, all right? So, uh, and I think you can see that in the chapter. I mean, at the end of the chapter, he's going after math. I mean, right? He says, you know, of nature, mathematics. I mean, he, he's, at the end of the chapter, in chapter number three, he's he's talk, He's literally talking about two plus two is equal four, but what does that matter? You know, what does that matter to me? I will I will say that it, it is not. He, he, he's rejecting it. And it's not rejecting the fact that it's objective. He's objecting the fact that he has to adhere to it, that he has to engage, uh, that he, he, he's intent on his, he's intent on his ability, on his free will, that he can stop short and he can ponder it. He can poke it. He can deny it from a distance. He can do all those things. Uh, but he doesn't have to accept it, unlike the man of action who does accept it. Uh, so I really feel like this, it comes down, uh, it comes down to, I think a lot of this comes down to, to very functional things and practical things. Uh, I think one thing that, uh, that perhaps you can speak to, um, you know, even being in the military and all. So one thing that a lot, a lot of people who don't really know what they're doing or maybe they need a certain direction, they go, you know, that you have two guys, okay? One guy goes into the military and the other guy goes into a university, so, which one is going to learn skills, and which one is going to learn role? Which one is going to learn roles? Well, you're talking to somebody who's a sergeant in the military. I learned both. All right, yeah, you're one. I learned. I learned both. Sure. And depending, I mean, you kind of learn both in both areas, though, don't you? If you if you go to school, 
um, there's a social structure. There's not a rank structure, but there's a social structure. Sure. And then you're you're also supposed to be learning some skills, um, though I would question today's uh, education system. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly in the military, you're going to learn both. You're going to you're going to know your role to go back to the wrestling. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, right, right, sure, um, sure. But you're also going to going to clearly learn how to do some things. Um, so those are skills as well. So I, I guess either way, you fulfill them. I don't. I don't know where to go from there, but yeah, I, mean, I, I feel I think, both of them. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, so I think that in terms of the man of action, I mean, I really do. I think it comes down to me to skills. I mean, even in rural, you need skills to survive in a rural environment. Uh, and so, um, you know, unless, uh, and it, so I, I think that a lot of times those those functional skills really come down to that. And then I think you have a lot of, um, in, in urban environments, it comes down to class. I mean, if you're in an upper class, you're probably not going to become a plumber in a rural environment. I think our society's starting to figure out that everyone needs to be a plumber at some point in their life. Wow. When they get that bill, <laughs> Ooh, gas price kind of high, his plumbing bill kind of high. Right, there you really go. I wish I knew how to do this. It looked really simple when he come over and charge me $300. Time to go to YouTube, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of figuring that out. I mean, you could you could take things like college and the military and you could, you could very simply just stereotype them and you could say, well, if you went to the military, you must be the man of action. If you went to college, then... You must be the man of heightened consciousness, but really, that's just that's just stereotyping, honestly. Yeah. Um, because it's not always, it's not always the case. Um. Yeah. And actually, I I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I'm gonna say that's that's never the case. Okay. Because of what I previously said. Sure. You're just going to gain different types mm-hmm. of skills, and you're gonna get a different type of idea of what your role is in society. Hmm. Like. What your role is in the military and what your role is in society, mm-hmm. those both exist. No one argues that. Yeah. Um, and you'll certainly learn where you fit in, where, where you fit into your classroom. Right. Or where you fit into your platoon. Mm. You're just in a different structure. Okay. That's all. That makes a lot of sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think that maybe the missing element from what I'm talking about and what you're talking about okay. that's, that's unspoken here, yep. I really think it, it goes back to, you know, this... The man of heightened consciousness, okay? It's heightened consciousness. His his approach to life is heightened consciousness plus revenge equals a denial of justice. And so why denial, you might ask, okay? Well, in the, in the chapter, we can see it in the chapter. And the equation is this, all right? It's questions plus doubts plus wave the whole thing aside, okay? And that's the quote from the book. It's just wave the whole thing aside. Questions and doubts and waving it all aside, mm-hmm. all right? And really what this is, it just it circles back to chapter number two and chapter number one, overthinking. Yeah. Right, overthinking. Yep. Uh, and so, um, you know, I don't really think, I don't really associate overthinking with the military. I, mean, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I, I don't associate <laughs> it. Ask some of my leaders, man. Oh, is that right? My goodness. Some people, you you know where I got the term make an executive decision from? Where's that? From the military. Is that right? I'm sitting there watching people like, oh, I don't know. I mean, like, make a decision, dude. Yeah. Make an executive decision. Just pretend like you're in charge for a second. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, look, people are people, man. I don't care where they're at. Sure. People are people. And this this underground man, you know how many underground men there are out there? There's One of y'all listening right now, you an underground man. I know you are. I guarantee it. 100%. At some point, you, you're going through this book with us, and you're like, you know what? It's kind of me. You may not want to admit it out loud. And guess what? You ain't got to. You ain't got a mic in front of you. That's fine. You can get one later if you want to. But No, I, I, I happen to think. I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I identify with this. I think I happen to think a lot. I identify with it. I was going to say. Here, listen, I got a microphone. I identify with it. There I was going to say. <laughs> I think a lot of people identify with the yeah. underground man personally. And so, yeah, do I see myself in the underground man? Absolutely, I do. But I think a lot of right. people do. I mean, I really do. And I think I love the message, though. I mean, I love, you know, I think that Dostoevsky is trying to say that, you know, at the end, you take that nihilism. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, you take the, uh, uh, it's just, it's nihilism mm-hmm. and it's narcissism. Okay. So at the end of the chapter, he says, no one knows who and no one knows what. All right. There's all these twisted themes. There's a strong man, but the strong man is stupid. We have objectives, and yet the objectives 
And so we have, and, and he had, excuse me, and he has like an objective view of reality and it leads to justice. So stupidity leads to justice. And then we have a man of heightened consciousness. This guy understands everything and yet he's confused. And so, uh, and then even at the end of the chapter, he's talking about pleasure and a toothache and he's talking about uh, pain and pleasure and, and, and all this. And so there's just a twisted theme uh, here. And so um, I think that he's trying to say that this is where it all leads. So when you let nihilism and you let narcissism and you let them run amok, yep. this is where you're going to end up. 100%. Yeah, and I think it's a clarion call. It's a clarion call for myself. I mean, I, I would say I'm not a perfect person. It's a warning for everybody. Yeah, no, it is. And so, I mean, I really think that um, it's, I think for me personally, it's an opportunity for me to reflect upon myself and try to root out some of these things in myself. But for me, that I think we're, we're really... Is for me, is looking at the culture and seeing how, what kind of people that we've become. And, and there's been such an accelerated pace of change. You know, it's interesting. You talk about, uh, we, were, we started the podcast talking about wrestling. Yeah. And, you know, you think about the, uh, you think about the state of change and, and how things have changed so quickly. Uh, uh, you think of, um, uh, think of how wrestling was in 1988 versus 1998 versus 2008 versus 2018 and so you have these 10-year periods that things are are, are just changing I, I think the rate of change in our society i think back to that i think back to that 1988 period there was no internet there's no cell phones we were all still we we're still walking around with cassette tapes all right walkman. You know, like walkman all right i don't yeah. think i slept i don't think that i slept honestly i don't i honestly don't think i slept the night of WrestleMania three, because I was so, I was so, I was so excited to find out who won, and I wanted to know who won uh, the next morning. And I, I also don't think, and I remember, I remember being so excited with my dad. I remember talking to my dad in nineteen eighty nine, you know, because I was WrestleMania five. I was Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, you know, yeah. uh, title versus title, yeah. and that was such a big yeah. deal. I mean, right in my world, I remember talking to my dad about it. I remember being like in my bed, turning off all the lights and trying to imagine what it could be like, you know. And so um, I, I, re- I remember all those times. So there was no internet, right? And so then the next day, I mean, I knew it wasn't, you know, wasn't going to be in the newspaper or anything. So I was just waiting around, like just trying to talk to everybody, just <laughs> trying to get in certain places I could find out these things. And, you know, you fast forward to 1998 and there's so much change uh, with uh, the advent of, of personal computers and, 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 and the developing technology, um, AOL, uh, but things were accelerating, right? And we had, we had Drudge back then, and so we saw the beginning of Drudge, and then with Bill Clinton, and then the whole the subversive elements of media started to come along. These were fundamental changes, and I could mention more, but there's a lot of them. All right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you go to 2008, totally there. I mean, now we have, you know, cons- you know, I, I think, um, you know, think of how different things were, right? In, two, in 1998, I, I think... And I could be wrong about all this, but I, I think Alex Jones was, uh, I think it was in Texas. I think he was, um, I think that he was uh, broadcasting out of his basement in 1998 on local Texas radio. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But by 2008, the, uh, it has completely taken over the culture. I mean, right? And, 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 but not mentioned in mainstream culture but in underground culture. And then in 2018, it comes out uh, kind of in mainstream culture. But my point of all this is that in 30, 40 years, there's been such an aggressive rate of change that I think it's very disconnecting for people. I I could say disorienting, but I, I don't like that word. I like the word disconnecting more. Because, you know, when you... To feel normal is to feel moored, all right? It's to feel connected, uh, and when you feel disconnected, that is a fundamental change in how you view others and how you make choices and how you act in the world. And so I think that when you increase that level of disconnection, you see the increase in narcissism, you see the increase in nihilism, and I think that just in how connected we are, that people can people can make arguments and they can present part of themselves from the underground, right? And they can do that, that everyone kind of has like the shadow, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like young, you know, it's like the shadow and that, that, that he talks about. And so everyone's got like this shadow underground kind of, kind of personality, right? That's, uh, that's, that, that, that's being unleashed unto 
being unleashed. And it really, I think it's reactionary. It's reactionary to this feeling of being disconnected. You know, people, people are angry, and yet we don't have, you know, people are angry, uh, but then they don't have an outlet for it. You know, and so, and, and I think a lot of times, I think that's what you see, um, or I wonder, I don't really, I guess I think, but I say I think, but I wonder. I wonder if that's what we see in some of the mass shootings that we have you know, in society, when we see these young people, these young men that are, are coming out, and, and we have, you know, we have broken homes, we have, uh, you know, oftentimes a serious, a serious engage, a serious engagement with things that are in online culture, conspiratorial thinking, and, um, that people become disconnected and when people become disconnected and they become angry and they have nihilism and narcissism that reaches such a level uh, that you really can lose control. And whenever I hear about these tragedies and, and whenever, uh, you know, we as a nation are, are plunged into this, oftentimes, I oftentimes wonder, I wonder about that. There's a lot of factors. It would take take a lot longer than we have on this podcast to go through. Well, I mean, it certainly I, would. It certainly would. And I think those that, things happen. Yeah, no, and I do. And I think that, you know, notes from the underground being written in 1864 in 150 years, maybe people have said it in a more, uh, uh, in a more profound way or in a more detailed way, but I don't think anybody's figured it out. And really, honestly, what you see here, it's original sin without sin. And it's need of a savior without, uh, without salvation. I mean, really, I mean, people get into that area, and I think that's the area where nihilism grows. Well, the objective truth is God and the Bible. It always, oh, no, I agree, absolutely. Right, and, and, I don't, and I know you don't disagree with that. It, it always has been. It always will be. Mm-hmm. And the problem is we, we're, Scripture's going to be fulfilled, and that's just, it's working on being fulfilled right now. People have, as a whole in this country, rejected God, turned away from God, and... Um, that's just what we're seeing play out. Yeah, I, I really feel like I think for me, what I see in um, in the future, just for you know, you see it online. I think especially on Twitter, there's all the, like this soft hatred of Christianity, where people everyone stops short. There, people on on Twitter are experts at pulling their pulling punches. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're like, I mean, it's it's Ric Flair style, man. I mean, they they get that that punch is so close <laughs> you can't even tell, but they're pulling punches, right? Yep. But you can see that there is a real, real sense of of, of antagonism against Christianity oh, yeah. online. And then I really feel like I, I think, I mean, and I, again, I go back to this man of action versus the man of heightened consciousness, okay? So th- th- this whole idea of denial, right? Identity demands justification. I mean, people who base their self-worth on identity are going to look to be justified. And that's where the war is, all right? That's where the war is. I mean, people don't understand it. I mean, Christian will come on social media, and they'll say a simple objective truth. They'll say, well, a baby is a life. They'll just say, or they'll say, uh, a baby has a heartbeat at X number of weeks or days. And so they'll state an objective fact, and it's objective. And it is the fact that it's objective, all right, to the other side, like it's pointless. It, it infuriates them. It too. infuriates them because, because no argument back to it. Exactly, they, don't like it, but they can't refute it. But also, too, it it confounds the justification that they're seeking for yes. their chosen for their for their chosen identity. And when I say chosen identity, I mean their choices, which are dictated by their identity. Okay, so identity, choice, justification. And they don't feel justified, and they're going to social media, and they are they are going to social media to in an attempt to underpin society with their demand for justification. So, I mean, I think that's what I see there, you know, and they demand that justification. So, I think on one side you have people that say, "Oh, um, you know, on the right you have facts don't care about your feelings," and so it's all objectivity, right? It's objectivity. I have no reason. I'm, that's where I'm at. I have no reason to be a psychologist, so that's where I stop. I, I'm at facts don't care about your feelings. Right. Oh, yeah. No, and I think I a lot of people— be, I don't yeah. need to be your psychologist. I'm not here to— Sure. I'm not here to break down the, the whys and, look, man, that's because God's in charge and facts don't care about your feelings. And, hey, if I'm yeah. if I'm a man of action or a caveman because of that, right. sorry— Right, right. No, and I God agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I I hear you. I hear you. And I think that I think that um and on the left, you know, it's going to be really interesting. And I think one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing, I think we're going to get this kind of figured out in the next maybe 3 to 5 years here or so is to really quantify how much 
where and what kind of influence. I mean, pretty obvious, right? I mean, if you look at the map, Massachusetts, New York, California, these coastal areas, they're they're they're, they're pretty liberal in in very much a uh, in a very progressive sort of way. Uh, but you know, we are really look at the voting. I mean, it's 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 hard when you look at the voting because structurally. I, structurally, I never worry because of the Electoral College, you know, and I, I think that, uh, you know, Republicans will always have that geographical advantage, uh, I, I think. But that's why they're always losing the popular vote. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, once Elon Musk, right, takes over Twitter and once we can see the number of bots, the role of bots, and we can also see the way the algorithm heightens voices, I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating subjects that we're going to have in this decade is to look at Twitter and to see how how much can an algorithm raise raise a discourse to the point of influencing institutions. I mean, right? You have crazy leftist. You have you have well, I should say crazy leftist, but you have all right. So we'll go for we'll go back for that. So you have progressives who are pushing a narrative and they have almost entirely taken over the institution of journalism to the point where journalists go on Twitter and they say the most crazy things. And so you can't even read a newspaper anymore uh, because you can't, you can't have the assurance that the newspaper is giving you a view that's not trying to manipulate your opinion in some way. Uh, And, all of these processes are all played out there on Twitter. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how much of this is manufactured, how much of it is is, is real, how much of it is based on engagement, and really what it all means. And I, I think that you need some data for that. And I, I think I'm looking forward to getting that. I think it's going to be a, a great, interesting thing to get data. And the thing is, though, how, how do we know that um, we can trust Elon Musk any more than we can trust anybody else that's out there giving us any of this information? Well, I mean, I, I think so. I think he's, he's talked a little bit about. Um, it's an interesting question. I, I think that um, he, he's talked about making some of the, the, the uh, some of the Twitter open source, sure. so that people can can get into it and can see for themselves. And I think that's probably. I think that's a good thing. Um, I think that's a good thing. And I also think that. Um, I also think that you'll see it. I mean, it's interesting if you're targeted on Twitter because you can target the right spaces and you can see some of those uh, some of those discourses that get played down by the algorithm. So if you're aware of them, once you see that start to come out into the wider culture and then and, and, and the wider frame of Twitter, I think that'll give us an indication. Um, I think there's a reason to trust him until he gives us one not to. I mean, I probably would have trusted Jack Dorsey until he gave me a reason not to. <laughs> So I don't know. The guy's pretty smart. I mean, he you know he figured out how to send rockets into outer space. And I have my questions there too. You yeah, know, we have states that ban fireworks, right? Right, sure. Okay, but Elon Musk can send as many rockets into outer space as he wants to. He's a private citizen, right? Nobody asks him any questions, right? At all. Has anybody ever seen what was that movie? The the farmer astronaut. Oh wait. The farmer astronaut. Yeah, the farmer astronaut. Uh, no, wait. Okay, I, uh, leave it in the comments. I have not seen that. Anyway, this it's a it's about a dude that's a farmer that wants to be an astronaut, so he spends years and years and years building this rocket in his barn. Well, the Secret Service and the FBI and everybody else try to come out and shut him down because he's trying to buy rocket fuel, right? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Anyway, giant fail ends up crashing this thing or whatever. Okay, but. He's not allowed to just send whatever he wants into outer space. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. I had a drone. A drone. This thing was. You did, yeah. Twelve by twelve, maybe. Okay, you did. Wow, a drone. Inches, not feet. Wait, is this a military drone? No, no. This is a little Best Buy drone. Oh, <laughs> Best Buy drone. Okay. Okay. There you go. My, my ceiling was three hundred feet AGL. Okay. Okay. At three hundred one feet AGL, mm-hmm. or a hundred meters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got a little warning from the FAA on the screen. No, did you really? Yes, that I was in restricted airspace. Wow. So I'm not allowed above 300 AGL. Wow. So I'd like to bring those two things up. Pyrotechnics, Massachusetts State Police just posted, right? I I showed you. You showed me. Yeah, they just busted somebody, right? Sure. With some fireworks. Sure. You know, no fun allowed. No fun police down there in Massachusetts. All y'all people feel bad for you, but just stay there. Don't come here, please. Right, no fun. Um. Anyways, change your own laws. You don't like them. 
Stop coming here. <laughs> y'all, y'all end up voting the wrong way anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, but this dude, Elon Musk, can send rockets into outer space as many as he wants. Yeah. So you live in mass. Mm-hmm. Ordinary citizen sure. can't have a bottle rocket. Elon Musk, ordinary citizen, mm-hmm. he can have a space rocket. How is that allowed? Something. Look, man, if it... Walks yeah. like a duck, talks like a duck. It's probably a duck. Something is not right there. It's not right there. I know. Something ain't right. No, I, I know. You don't Something know. ain't right. Could you or I just launch things into outer space? I put up a couple. I I, I got some fireworks for Fourth of July. Yeah. I set off a couple the other night. Got oh, little, you did? Did you? Yeah. You know, is that just, what that noise was? Yep, probably. probably. I got bored. Decided, no, probably not, because you live two miles away, and it's not. I was going to say, you got bored. You didn't However, call me? if you live okay. 40 miles away from Elon Musk's launch site, and you want to watch it, just look on the horizon. You can see it. Not a big deal. Right, true. Okay, I was nervous about my little mortar that goes 75 feet in the air. Yeah. And maybe making, you know, somebody call the cops on me for a noise ordinance. Right, right. This man can launch a rocket into outer space. I'm saying outer space. Yeah, I and know. And that's okay? Well. I don't I, trust it. I don't. Oh yeah, you don't trust it, huh? I don't. No, 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 not at all. Huh? Who do you? Who do you gotta know to put things in outer space? Yeah, I know. Privatize the privatization of space is an interesting. To- is an interesting topic. Yeah, sure. Can you name another person that has managed to put private things in outer space? Private things in outer space? Yeah. Uh, not off the top of my head. I guess I can't. Uh, yeah, no, I don't even think off the top of encyclopedia you could do it. Yeah, right. If he's the only one. Ah, uh, okay. I no. Interesting. Uh, oh. I don't, I don't trust the guy. I don't care. Does he say a lot of the right things? Sure. Yeah, sure. Do I agree with the things he says? Sure. Am I extremely, extremely cautiously optimistic? Yep. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I. He's exactly. He's, he's a great reason why you just trust God. Yeah. Right. Seriously. That's a good point. Like, yeah. No. No. I agree. That's like, a, stop trusting man. Donald Trump does not know your name. I voted for him, but I also oh, and well, I yeah, don't, no. I don't know him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know me. Right. He's not concerned with what is Stephen Hot gonna do next paycheck. You gotta get the text, man. You gotta you gotta sign up for the text. Do you get the text? No. Oh, the the coolest thing in the world, you know. So um I think it was uh oh, I think it was the Trump rally, right? So if you go to a Trump rally, you gotta give they 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 want you to get the ticket, right? So you gotta give the email. So you give the email and you get the ticket. Yeah, I know it sounds like a scam, but it's pretty great. So like Trump will he he'll email you, right? Oh, well, you get the email, right? You get the so it's it's cool. You get it like 15 times a day. It comes in like three times an hour and it comes in and it's oh, great. Oh, I can't wait. Let me oh, no, up. it's great. And then they're always <laughs> like, so they're always like, it's always like stuff like this. It's always like, it's always like, hey friend, this is Don Jr. And I want to let you know, I got this huge birthday card from my dad and I can't think of anything better than if it had your signature right on it. Like it was right beside mine. I hate myself. Right? Like Actually, right beside I mine. did have that for a while. Oh yeah, you did have that for a while. Yeah. And then they'll go, yeah. and then they'll go, he'll go, uh. And then he'll text you back in like twenty minutes, and it'll go. It'll say, "It'll say, friend, where have you been?" It'll say, "I, I, I have this card, and we're trying to get it in the envelope. We need to get it to my dad. I'm waiting for you." He'll go, "Okay, listen, for only ten minutes. Now all you need to do is get five hundred dollars, and we're gonna put this signature right there. It's gonna be great." And then there's all these contrived situations. And of course, I've never given a dime, right? And that's fine. But and so, okay, I was gonna ask. Okay, right? No, but I mean, I don't give money. It's fine. <laughs> but it's pretty entertaining throughout the day because I, you know, if I check my text messages, I go, "Oh man, what is going on in the Trump world now?" You know, because like I'm always like, because it's kind of a neat little game you can play. You can say, "Oh man, maybe Trump like needs to walk his dog," or maybe like, and then he saw a golf course and he was thinking about me, and he was like, "Oh man, I need to reach out." Who to Who you friend. messaging? Oh, Donald Trump. Yeah, like, oh man, Donald Trump, because he's on the golf course and he was yeah. thinking he needs. Like messaged an, me. Yeah, he needs like another $35, and he's like, man, I need to reach out to my friend and get this 35 bucks. And by the way, like if you're ever in Norfolk, you just come down. <laughs> We're going to play some golf. It's going to be a great thing, you know? You, you never loaned Donald Trump 20 bucks? It was, uh, no, no, I don't think I've ever really done that, you know, never, no, never done that. That might be a good reason for me to do it, just to say I've loaned Donald Trump money. Maybe, you know. Yeah, it's not just, a loan. That's... That's giving him money, and then they always. And then, then I love how he always protect. He always he always offers to, to like truly say he'll say, "Friend, I know that you're busy. I know that you don't have time." He'll say, "You tell you what." He say, "You donate to me in the next ten minutes. I'm going to triple this thing by seven thousand times." Right? And he'll he's say, very it. "Empathetic." Oh man, I mean, he's really thinking of me, and I'll, I'll read it. I go, "Man, this guy is really thinking of me today." Thoughtful dude. He's got all this money, and and then all the you know he's gonna he's he's gonna seven thousand times. I mean, this is. 
I, you know, that's beyond the pale. I mean, that's a late honestly. night commercial. Yeah, and then you go, you know, you go, man, I got that guy from Africa, man. You know, right? Uh, that guy with the birth certificate, right? The man, he wouldn't even. That would, he wouldn't get seven thousand times. He might be six thousand nine hundred ninety-seven times, but it's not going to be seven thousand times. <laughs> I mean, it's just sorry, so fun. sorry, Barry. You wouldn't text. Yeah, me. sorry, sorry, Barry. Can't, sorry can't about vote that. Can't vote for you for a third term, man. I tell you, and so the um. The uh, I mean, it's just so much fun, right? I mean, it's so much fun. You can't have much more fun than that, you know. I don't know where. Where do you have like extra hours in days that you don't? There's just 24 in mine. Well, no, and I know, but I, I you have all this time to do all these random things that I don't. have Well, time no, to but do. it's just a random thought. I mean, I look at my phone and then it just goes through my head really quickly. I mean, like I talk fast, I think fast. What do you want me to do? You know. I see. I don't know. Stop being the underground man. I guess. Uh, underground man. Well, speaking of which, we're gonna grab the under. We're gonna join the underground man in chapter number four. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be getting a toothache. So, join us then because you're not gonna want to miss it. Steve's gonna punch me right in the mouth and it'll give me a massive toothache. And then I'm gonna tell you all my thoughts about the wonderful, beautiful sounds that someone can make when they have a toothache. Don't want to miss it. Blunderground Railroad, ladies and gentlemen, this is chapter number three. All right, very good. We are taking a trip from ignorance into knowledge in our quest to understand modern culture. See you next time. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 